and everybody. I wish I could say it's great to see all of you, but uh, uh, at least I can talk to all of you this evening. I want to welcome you to our midweek study. And uh, for those who are watching, we're glad to have you with us. Just want to give you a little uh, alert to um, Good Friday, our Good Friday service. Uh, We're hoping to have uh, Michael Cohen from Chosen Ministries. Uh, We were scheduled to have him do a, a, a Good Friday service And he was going to go over the Seder, the Passover feast, and uh, all the the significance of it and the the symbolism of it. And um, I'm still waiting to hear back to see if he'll come and um, uh, he'll pre-record the the, the study. And then we'll hopefully have it for you guys for Good Friday. So uh, keep checking and uh, we'll hopefully have an answer by this weekend. So... Again, let's open it with prayer. Father, we come before you this evening to thank you for your, Father, for your mercies, for your grace, for the blessings that you heap upon us, God, in spite of what many are going through right now, God. Lord, we thank you that you're our God. We thank you that you are in control. And Father, we look to you and we trust in you, Lord. And Father, we're going to do that. We're going to... uh, Just sit under your protection, Lord, like the uh, hen who protects her little chicks, God. We come under your wings, God, until these calamities pass by, God. And so, Lord, we look to you now. May you bless our time in the book of Esther. And, Father, may you bless our study. And, Lord, we pray that your spirit would speak to hearts. And that, Father, as your word says, Jesus said that in this world you will have tribulation, but then he encourages us and he said, be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. And so we will overcome as long as we continue to keep our eyes upon Christ and whatever we're feeling, whatever stress or distress or whatever anxiety there may be, uh, he is God over all and he is the comforter, the great comforter. And may we look to him in all things and for all things. And it's in Jesus name we pray. Amen. All right, if you'll open your Bibles to Esther chapter 3. Esther chapter 3. And this evening's title is Evil is in the Heart. Evil is in the Heart. In chapter 2, we met a man named Mordecai. Now here in chapter 3, we meet Haman. And he's the bad guy in our story this evening. He's the enemy of the Jews. And he tries to destroy them. And that's really what this whole chapter is all about. So let's begin, if we will, in verse 1 of chapter 3. And it says, After these things, King Ahasuerus promoted Haman, the son of Hamadetha, the Agagite, and advanced him and set his seat above all the princes who were were with him. After these things could mean a few days or a few years. Now Esther is queen queen now, And Mordecai has busted up an assassination attempt on the king's life. And now we're moving on. And after these things, basically lets us know he's starting the next part of the story. And the key players involved have no idea about what's going on and what's going to happen to them next. But, you know, isn't that the way life is? And boy, we can really attest to that today. Life doesn't tell you, hey, be ready. Life is going to throw you a curve today. But, you know, when we read the scriptures, God's word does tell us, be ready, be prepared. 
because it's a not a matter of if, it's a matter of when life is going to throw us that curve. It doesn't tell you, life doesn't tell you, you're going to receive a terminal illness. It doesn't tell you that you're going to lose your job. It doesn't tell you that, that you're going to lose your life savings. It doesn't tell you you're going to lose your life. Now, I never thought in a million years that I would ever live to see the day when I would be a shut-in in my own house because of a worldwide plague of biblical proportion. My life and your life with millions of others has been turned upside down, in a sense, in, in a matter of weeks with this coronavirus. And up to now, King Ahasuerus has lost a wife, he's lost a queen, and he's lost a war. Esther has been taken away from her family and her home and her land, and she's been crowned a queen. Now, the lesson that we can take away from this, as we all know, life can be painful. Life can be painful. Chuck Colson, who served as special counsel to President Richard Nixon, pleaded guilty to obstruction of justice charges during the Watergate scandal, and he spent seven months in prison for that. He wrote this, Life isn't like a book. Life isn't logical or sensible or orderly. Life is a mess most of the time, and theology must be lived in the midst of that mess. How is your theology today? But our sovereign God is working things out according to his own plan. King Ahasuerus has promoted Haman, which is rather strange. Why did he promote Haman? Why does he get promoted? It was Mordecai who discovered the plot to assassinate the king and saved his life. I mean, that's totally unfair. Now, remember, God was watching over Joseph. And a couple of times we hear that God was with Joseph, even in jail. And God watches over us as well, you guys, even when he feels far away. We might think life is unfair, as Joseph must have thought when he was in, cha uh, in chains under arrest. But we need to trust God even when life is unfair. We need to rejoice even where there doesn't seem to be a reason to rejoice. This gets God's attention. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So here's the second lesson that we can take away from our study this evening. Life is unfair. I can't believe I got sick. I can't believe I lost my job. I can't believe I lost my savings. Why me? A better question is, why not me? God promises us that we are going to go through tribulation. But he also encourages us that he has overcome all things. And we can be overcomers as we're abiding in Christ and we're trusting in him. Now, this situation that, that uh, we're, it teaches us that, that you better be prepared for life's unfairness. You better be prepared for those unexpected moments in life. Like I said, it's not a matter of if, but when it's going to happen. Because life doesn't always turn out the way you planned or expected it to. Life isn't always fair. But here's the thing. That doesn't mean that you should give up on life. It just means don't fall apart when things don't go your way. Be realistic and know that that's life. Unfairness and the unexpected and all those things, the disappointments, that's a part 
of life in a fallen world. And, you know, the Bible teaches that all, you know, over and over again. Life isn't always fair. But again, we're not to fall apart. That's life in a fallen world. Wrong happens. Unfairness happens. Life isn't fair. And that's because of sin and evil. And the two are related. Solomon said in Proverbs 21, 7, the violence of the wicked will destroy them because they refuse to do justice. That is, they refuse to do what's right. And the cause of injustice is is men refusing to do what's right. And those who do, that is, those who refuse to do what's right will choose to do wrong. And because evil lives in people's hearts, they are going to do wrong. And that's exactly what happened to Haman after he gets promoted and has power. We are told that Haman was an Agagite, which could mean that he came from an area in the empire known as Agag. But it could also mean that he descended from Agag, king of the Amalekites, 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 8. And if that's true, then it makes sense why Haman hated the Jews. Because God had declared war on the Amalekites, and, he, and wanted their name and memory wiped off the face of the earth. If Saul would have obeyed God and destroyed King Agag as commanded, his people wouldn't be in this situation because there wouldn't be any Agagites. God could see ahead. He knew what was coming. God can see things that you can't see. God is omniscient. He knows all things. He can see the future and he can see yours and he can see mine. We read in Psalm 139, verses 1 through 5, O Lord, you have examined my heart, and you know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts, even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it. Lord, you go before me and you follow me. And because Saul didn't wipe out King Agag, it almost led to the Jews being totally wiped out. But again, God is working behind the scenes. He's keeping watch over his own. Now think about how many times nations have come against God's people, the Jews, to wipe them out. Hitler tried, but God stopped him. And God is going to stop Haman here as well. So now we're starting to see why God made Esther the queen. If she hadn't been there, Haman would have carried out his evil plan and wiped out the Jews, which was his intention. Now let's look at verse 2. And all the king's servants who were within the king's gate bowed and paid homage to Haman. For so the king had commanded concerning him. But Mordecai would not bow or pay homage. Now the words king's servants literally means the king's slaves. They were the lower officers of the court. And others who are about the same rank as Mordecai, they would all bow in reverence to Haman because the king ordered them to do so. But Mordecai wasn't going to have anything of it. Mordecai was a Jew. There was no way that Mordecai was about to bow down to any man because this would be idolatry. Look at verses 3 and 4. Then the king's servants who are within the king's gate said to Mordecai, Why do you transgress the king's command? And now it happened when they spoke to him daily, he would not listen to them, that they told it to Haman to see whether Mordecai's words would stand. For Mordecai has told them that he was a Jew. It seems like the king's men were purposely harassing Mordecai every day. 
hey, Mordecai, man, what's up with you? Why won't you bow before Haman? And then Mordecai told him the same thing every time. I will not bow down to anyone but Jehovah God because I am a Jew. I bow before Jehovah God only. Being a Jew, Mordecai worships only the true and the living God. He says, I don't worship any idols. I don't worship any images or any man. He says this, he says, I was taught that you shall have no other gods before me and you shall not bow down to them nor serve them, Exodus 20. And that the Lord, our God, is one Lord, Deuteronomy 6, 4. He was to tell the world, Mordecai was to tell the world and those around him who worshiped idols about the living God, about Jehovah God. Today, we're to tell the world about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now they knew that Mordecai, why he took such a stand. The Jew was known in that day as a worshiper of the one and only true God. But Mordecai knows that it's probably going to cost him for the stand that he's taking. And you know what? It will cost us for the stand that we take against Jesus Christ if we're going to live righteous before a wicked world. It may cost Mordecai his job. It might even cost him his life. Verses 5 and 6. When Haman saw that Mordecai did not bow or pay him homage, Haman was filled with wrath. But he disdained to lay hands on Mordecai alone, for they had told him of the people of Mordecai. Instead, Haman sought to destroy all the Jews who were throughout the whole kingdom of Hazarus and the people of Mordecai. So now we see the, heat, the evil that's in Haman, that's in his heart. Now, you know, power doesn't make you evil, but it will reveal the evil that is in your heart. He should have just ignored Mordecai. And that's what sensible people do. They control their temper. temper. They earn respect by overlooking other people's wrongs. Solomon said in Proverbs 19.11, The discretion of a man makes him slow to anger and his glory, notice, is to overlook a transgression. Sensible people control their temper. Proverbs 25, 28, Solomon said, Whoever has no rule, that is self-control, whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. And then uh, in Proverbs 16, 32, Solomon also wrote, He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. You see, to rule over your passions which is having self-control, Solomon says that's greater than managing and winning a war. Haman's going to try to do an evil thing here. What he's going to, he's going to try to kill all the Jews living in King Ahasuerus' kingdom. Now, apparently Haman didn't remember or he didn't know about God's promise to Abraham. And God said that those who would bless the, the uh, God's people, uh, God would bless them. And those who curse them, he would curse them. And God keeps his promises. All you have to do is look at the Jew's history. The Jew can look back at his history, the history of his nation, and he can see all the nations that tried to wipe them out. Like I said, Hitler tried to wipe out the Jews. And yet Hitler and his followers are gone. And the Jews are still here. God has promised to take care of his people. The Jew still here today is a miracle because of God. 
God has protected them. God has preserved them. And God has promised to take care of you. He's promised to take care of me. And he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. We need to take comfort in that. We need to have our peace, you know, uh, in in Christ. Verse 7. In the first month, that is the month Nisan, which is equal to our month April, in the 12th year of King Ahasuerus, they cast pur, that is the lot, that is like they, they cast like, like dice. It says they cast the lot before Haman from day to day and from month to month to the 12th month, that is the month Adar, which is our March. Every day, Haman got more and more irritated with Mordecai. Every time he'd go through the gate, oh, everybody would bow to him except Mordecai. And that really bugged him. It enraged him. So Haman decides, it's about time I do something to fix this. And when Haman finds out that Mordecai won't bow to him because of his religion, he says, I'll fix that. I'll just wipe out all the Jews and that will take care of that problem. So Haman, he, 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 he had them cast the lots called Pur. Uh, to decide what day he would kill the Jews. But what Haman and the others didn't know was that God would decide how the dice would fall. The dice are loaded when God is in control. God overruled in this situation. The lots fell in the last month of the year, which allowed time for Haman's plot to be discovered and stopped. The scriptures tell us in Proverbs 19, 21, Solomon said, there are many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel, that will stand. We also read in Proverbs 16, 1, the preparations of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. In Proverbs 6, 30, 16, 33, the lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. God has the final say. God will overcome anything that is not according to his will. Haman thought, if I really want to have good luck in my life, because that's all they had to go on. I mean, if, you know, if God is not in control of your life and he's not the master of your life, we, we just live on, on, you know, on luck or, or whatever you want to call it. We're just hoping for the best, but we don't really have any, anyone to hope in. He says, if I really want good luck in my life, he says, I need to get rid of these people. Speaking of the Jews. You see, like I said, when your life isn't guided by God, man, you come up with the most foolish ideas and you make some really foolish decisions. And that's what exactly happens here. Look at verse eight. Then Haman said to King Ahasuerus, there is a certain people scattered and dispersed among the people in all the provinces of your kingdom. Their laws are different from all other peoples and they do not keep the king's laws. Therefore, it is not fitting for the king to let them remain. What started out as as anger problem is growing into prejudice. Hatred here has grown to murder in Haman's mind. Haman is telling the king what the king wants to hear, but it's not the whole truth. The king doesn't have anybody to tell him different. Verse 9, if it pleases the king, let a decree be written that they be destroyed. And I, that is Haman, will pay 10,000 talents of silver into the hands of those who do the work to bring it into the king's treasuries. Warren Wiersbe on his commentary in Esther here, chapter 3, says, According to the Greek historian Herodotus, the annual income of the entire Persian empire was 15,000 talents of silver. 
So basically, Haman was offering the king an amount equal to two-thirds of that huge amount. Haman must have been a very wealthy man and probably hoped to get some of his money back from the spoils that he would get after slaughtering the Jews. Verse 10. So the king took his signet ring from his hand and gave it to Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, the enemy of the Jews. So a decree was written. It was written on a scroll. It was rolled up and it was sealed with a small wad of wax. And then the king would press his, his signet ring into uh, the wax wad. And, and it was a sign of approving what was written on the scroll. Verse 11. And the king said to Haman, the money and the people are given to you to do with them as seems good to you. The king said to Haman here, notice the money is given to you, seeming that King Ahasuerus refused the money that, the, that was offered to pay the, exe- the expenses uh, himself. This was a typical oriental custom. The king respectfully rejected the offer fully expecting Haman to insist that he would accept it. Haman knew that the Greek wars had, had pretty much bankrupt the king's treasuries, and he would never have offered so much money to him to such a mighty ruler if he didn't really intend to pay it. But how could a hazardous be so... Ca- Here's the thing about this. How could a hazardous be so casual, you know, so uncaring, so cold-hearted about allowing Haman to massacre the Jews. You know, to not check things out before he just let Haman do what he wanted to do and just wipe out the Jews in cold blood. He needed to follow up. He needed to follow the counsel of Solomon in Proverbs eighteen thirteen, who says, he who answers a matter before he hears it, it is folly and shame to him. You know, he just said, okay, Haman, do whatever you want. It sounds good. Instead of, you know, uh, finding out what's going on and finding out why and getting the truth of the matter. Now, how does that apply to us this evening? Well, are you nursing a grudge right now? Are you angry with somebody right now? Maybe it was somebody you trusted, somebody you, you respected, but they failed you. They hurt you. They turned on you. They made life really hard for you and they've never made things right between you. And even though they may be out of, out of your life, physically speaking, what they, st- what they did is still in your mind and you're holding on to it and it's eating away at you. Are you thinking that someday I'll get even? If you are, be careful. Watch out because you are harboring anger. You're holding a grudge. And watch out for the root of bitterness. By not letting it go, it will grow and it can become fatal. Now, like I said earlier, we will experience pain and we will experience disappointment in this life. That's a given. There's no getting out of that. But if you're not careful, that pain can cause you to do some pretty terrible things. And we see evidence of this every night. You know, and... and Uh, maybe not so much at the moment, but normally you turn on the news every night and you see some horrible atrocities committed. Those same tendencies are there in each one of us, though you probably wouldn't agree with that. But don't be fooled. Evil lurks in the heart. 
And God said in Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. God really knows how bad it is. God really is the one who knows how bad it is. God is the one. Jesus said in Mark 7, 21 through 23, from within, out of a, notice, out of a person's heart, Come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. He said all of these vile things come from within, out of the heart of man. And if we're not in the presence of God and we're not in the fellowship of God and His grace, and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and if we don't let Him work in us, And we don't let him control every thought and every passion, convicting us to move on and to forgive and forget. It will eat us alive. Just like it did Cain who killed his brother Abel. Cain killed his brother and never gave it a second thought. We are totally powerless to solve our inner problems. And if it wasn't for the power of the Holy Spirit giving me the grace I need every day to forgive And to move on, I would probably say and do things that would shock you. That's what's happening to Haman. That's why he could think of uh, such a devilish plan. And that's why he could do such an evil thing without blinking an eye. He had no inner power from the living God to stop him. To help him get rid of his hatred and his prejudice. To live above the powerful desire to get even for revenge. And because he couldn't, he went on with his evil plan. Just like the evil plan that would later send the Son of God to the cross of Calvary to be crucified. Verses 12 and 13. Then the king's scribes were called on the 13th day of the first month. And a decree was written according to all that Haman commanded. To the king's satraps, to the governors who were over each province, to the officials of all people, to every providence according to its script, and to every people in their language. In the name of King Ahasuerus, it was written and sealed with the king's signet ring. And the letters were sent by couriers into all the king's provinces to destroy, to kill, and to annihilate all the Jews, both young and old, little children and women, in one day. On the 13th day of the 12th month, which is the month of Adar, and to plunder their possessions. So the massacre was on. The massacre was signed into law, scheduled for March of the next year. Haman not only wanted the Jews to die, but think of it. It was scheduled for March of the next year. Can you imagine the torture that was in the minds of the Jews? Thinking. In in March of next year, we're going to die. Haman's death order was against all Jews in the Persian Empire. So it would include also the land of Israel. And if his order had been carried out, all of God's chosen people would have been wiped out and God's plan to send his son, Jesus Christ, to the earth as a Jew could have been ruined. But God's plans, as I've said before, they can't be stopped. So Haman's plan was doomed to fail. Look at verses 14 and 15 now. A copy of the document was to be issued as law in every province, being published for all people, that they should be ready for that day. The couriers went out, hastened by the king's command, and the decree was proclaimed in Shushan, the citadel. 
So the king and Haman sat down to drink. Now, remember, this, this is how this whole thing started. Drinking. The party in chapter one, what was it? Drinking and drunkenness. And again, that's where all the difficulty started when he ordered his wife to come before the men so he could show her off. And, and, and everything resulted as, as, as of, because they were drinking. And here it says they sat down to drink, but the city of Shushan was perplexed. Think about this now. Murderous plans can be planned out while the people are just going about their daily business. They don't care about the people around them. Haman and, and, and King Ahasuerus, they don't care about the people around them. These were their next door neighbors. They don't care that their neighbors now are living in misery and torment, as I said. As they lie in their bed every night knowing we're going to be murdered. Our sons and our daughters and our wives, our families are going to be slaughtered. But that's how evil works when you don't do anything to stop it. Things aren't looking good for Mordecai or Esther and the Jews at this moment. But always remember, as I said when we first started Esther, get, look for the bigger picture. There's a bigger picture. God is always working behind the scenes. God isn't finished yet. We can learn some valuable lessons from uh, uh, these people. Mordecai, first of all, teaches us. And remember, never forget, there will always be someone who will resent your love and devotion to the Lord. If you are abiding in Christ and you are living a righteous life, there will always be somebody who resents your love and devotion. That's how, again, this whole ugly situation got started. Mordecai wouldn't bow down to Haman because Mordecai was a Jew and he was devoted to his God. His devotion was to the Lord and the Lord God only. That made Haman so angry. That's what started the ball rolling to kill the Jews. Secondly, expect life to throw you a curve. Because if you don't expect it, if you have the thought and ideas that it'll never happen to me, oh, it only happens to other people, you'll be disappointed, you'll be disillusioned, and it will weaken your will for God, and, and maybe it'll cause you to give up. Thirdly, Haman teaches us never underestimate the sinful power of revenge. That's why the Lord says, hey, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. You know, let, let God deal with the people. He'll deal with them a lot better than you and I can. And then, lastly, don't ever think that you aren't capable, capable of scheming and retaliating. Because, you see, an unforgiving spirit that's allowed to simmer and to boil over in your heart, it can poison your life if you let it. And a lot of divorced people are consumed by the poison of an unforgiving spirit. Moses said in Matthew 19, 8, Moses permitted divorce, notice, only as a concession to your hard hearts. Now, that's a sad statement. The people get divorced only because they have hard hearts. In other words, divorce is an act of unforgiveness and an unwillingness to change. How many children, young and old, have turned on their parents rather than forgive them? How many brutal acts have been carried out? Because of unforgiveness. King Ahasuerus here teaches us how easy it is to be blinded by your own pride in your position and by your power. King Ahasuerus needed to have a wise counselor beside him. 
He needed to have a wise counselor that he could talk to and, and could tell him, King Hazarus, think about this. Why are you letting this terrible thing happen? It's not worth it. So in closing, it might be hard for you to believe this, but in every person's heart, evil is just waiting for its chance to break loose. It's waiting for the right opportunity. It's just waiting for the chance to do its thing. It's waiting for us. That is evil. It's waiting for us to walk away from God and to abandon our responsibilities if we don't give up that unforgiving spirit. It can lead us to do many terrible things, many regretful things. If we let anger, resentment, grudges, bitterness, envy simmer in our hearts, sooner or later, we will make plans to get even and end up doing something affecting others and ourselves and we'll regret it. Paul said in Ephesians 4, 31 through 32, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Now we can't help ourselves, but Jesus can. We don't know how it works, but I'm glad that it does that only the blood of Jesus Christ is effective when it comes to washing away our sins. 1 John 1, 7 and 9, it says the blood of Jesus, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. It cleanses us from all wickedness. Only the blood of Jesus Christ can do that. No seminars, no self-help books, no ritual, no works, no person or thing could do this for you. Pain and unforgiveness is a given in this life. It is promised to us in the Bible. But as I've said many times before, it's one of those promises that we don't like to underline or think about. You know, it, 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 we, we like to, we like to, to underline the, the, the nice promises, the, the good promises. Even in Christ, you're going to be hurt. Even as a Christian, you're going to be disappointed and you're going to suffer. And maybe even want to do what Haman did to get even. Here on earth, you are going to have many trials and sorrows. And if the times we're in right now, if what's going on right now doesn't prove that to us, I don't know what will. Jesus said in John 16, 33, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. In Acts chapter 14, 22, it says, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. There's those, those, those passages that tell us we're going to suffer trial. We're going to go through tribulations, many of them. But this is, there's one thing for sure. There's one thing for sure. If Jesus Christ is in charge of your life, he will control those things. He will control those things that will keep you from doing the things that your old nature wants to do. Our old nature is always wanting to rear its ugly head and come back and take over. God's grace is greater than any need. Paul said, where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. And God will meet us right where we are. We need God's grace to get rid of all the wickedness in our hearts. We need to give him our pain in this life 
Psalm 147 says he heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds if we will give him all of the pieces. He will help us to resist all temptations at getting even. Listen to James 4, 7 through 10. Here's the key. Therefore, notice, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead laughter and instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy humble yourselves before the lord and he will lift you up notice resist first submit to god abide in god walk with god submit to him in his ways then you can resist the devil and he will flee from you and god will draw near to you god's not going to draw near to me if i have sin in my life and i'm not abiding in him and i'm not going to be able to resist the devil a lot of people said, say, well, I couldn't help it. It was such a heavy temptation. No, it's that you didn't resist. You followed through with the temptation. Life and pain go together. But you know what? They don't have to break us. They don't have to take over. God's grace is enough to change you from a wicked person to a righteous person. But you have to let Jesus by faith, do that for you. Because if you don't say yes to Jesus, you can't escape from your own evil ways. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the wonderful lessons that we learn here in Esther chapter 3, God. But lessons are only useful, God, if we apply them to our life, if we take them and make them a part of our daily living. And Father, the only way that we can get power over sin and evil is if Christ becomes our Lord and our Savior. And that if we will confess our sins and seek Christ's forgiveness and receive Him by faith into our life and make Him our Lord and our Master, then will we have victory over our trials. Father, we thank You once again for this time. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.